Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay, excellent. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. Uh, let me open in prayer, okay? Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for another uh, Shabbat, a day of rest, and we, we delight in it, Father. We delight to come to hear from, from your heart, from your very words, and we do ask that. Have your spirit be here so we can um, understand and be empowered to walk out all these things that you have for us, Father. Again, we thank you for the blood of your son, Yeshua, who, who is bringing us back to you and closer and closer as well. We thank you. Amen. All right. So, um, oh, thank you, online viewers. Uh, we do appreciate you coming in and even with the podcasts that are being made as well. Um, if your heart's led, it would be appreciated, uh, appreciated greatly. You can go to livingmessiah.com and you'll see a donation button there. Um, and thank you for that in advance. So as usual, comments and questions, just raise your hand. I think Paul has the mic and he'll find his way to you. All we ask is be on point of what we're talking about and let's not try to get ahead of the text. That way we can all learn in the, in the same pace, okay? So last week, uh, just a quick review. Last week, we looked at the term born again, okay? And how uh, that's okay to use. I am, I am saying that there's nothing wrong with that. But we just need to understand that phrase and what's behind that phrase, okay? And I think that's where some things can go in different directions. So behind that phrase is as far as Scripture. We have to understand it as far as Scripture goes. Um, so real quick, it's understanding is to be born again, is to be born from above, okay? Born from above or born from the beginning, okay? In the sense that... Um, it's about choosing, okay? Choosing to change one's heart, okay? Where that change goes on and you actually choose to want to be different and choose a different uh, a lifestyle, a different um, means of, uh, of your life. So born anew, born again, uh, I showed you it is nothing new. It was not a new concept that's being brought up here. Yes, Joe. Is that a Hebrew phrase or is that a Gentile phrase? I not understand. Born again. Is that... Messiah born, used it, so... Did he it, use it, the word born again? Yes, he did. He did it with Nicodemus. Yes, that's where we're at in the text. Yeah, but I just wonder if that's where the Gentiles have picked up on that and kind of expounded it to what it is meaning today. Um, yes, I, I, yes, uh, of course that would be. And all I'm trying to make sure that we understand that concept 
that things don't get left behind, so to speak, in the understanding of what, of what that is. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. And I think that we did look at a lot of that last week. So, um, so this idea of being born anew, born again, obviously is nothing new. So it comes down to choose to obey or choose to disobey. And like Joshua said, remember his great phrase? I choose to, me and my house, we choose to serve Yahuwah, to obey, obviously. So let's continue and look at the conversation here with Nicodemus, because it goes on. There's a lot in here that is being shared for us, okay? So, John 3, and this is where we, uh, where we left off last week. So let me, I'll read this here, and then uh, we'll get into... Uh, some of the specifics that are going on here. So the spirit, the wind, breathes where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and, and where it goes. So, it, so is everyone who has been born of the spirit. And you notice we were talking about born again, and Messiah's talking here as well, and he's using born of the spirit. So they seem to be one in the same type of idea. So Nicodemus answered and said to him, how is it possible for this to take place? And Yeshua answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and witness of what we see and you do not receive our witness. If you do not believe when I spoke to you about earthly matters, how are you going to believe when I speak to you about the heavenly matters? And no one has gone up into the heavens except he who has come down from the heavens, the son of Adam. And as Moses lifted up the servant, a serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of Adam has to be lifted up as well. So the key thing that I want to point out here, you see it highlighted where the sound of it, the sound of the Spirit, okay? And that, um, I'm going to show you there's a big difference between, and I'm going to give it away right now, the sound of the Spirit and the voice of the Spirit, okay? Even in our English, if you just hear something, but if something is spoken to you, it holds a uh, a lot more, or a different application, I would imagine, in, your, in, in how you would understand that. So this word voice, it actually is voice. It should be understood as voice. So the Greek term for wind and spirit, they're the same, uh, the same, uh, same word and understood the same way. But the Greek word for sound actually here actually means voice, okay? Um, and Young's literal translation says it this way, and other translations as well. I just happen to have uh, the Young's literal. Um, so, so it would go on to say, the spirit, uh, the spirit or the wind breathes where it wishes, and you hear the voice. You hear its voice. To me, that's much, it changes things, and that's going to help us understand this whole idea that this whole conversation with Messiah is having with Nicodemus, with the idea of born again. And in this whole conversation that's going on here, 
Next week, I don't know if we'll get to it this week, but next week we get into one of the most popular phrases in Christianity. Okay? Even almost the secular world knows, you know, knows this popular verse. But all this that we're looking at right now must be applied to that verse. So that was a sidetrack. So let's come back. So the spirit wills where he or she goes, because in Hebrew, in the Hebrew text, uh, the ruach or the spirit is feminine. Okay, that, that, you know, so I don't want to go too much into that. It doesn't mean that it's a she, but there's that feminine aspect to the spirit. Okay, and that's in most languages except for English. As I've gotten older, you find out, which that brings up. Here's a side note for you. We see so much here in America about gender, taking gender out of everything. You can only do that in English. You can't do it in the other. What are they going to do? Okay? Go over France and, or take uh, Spanish. And all. How are you going to take the gender? You have to change the whole language. It can only happen in the, here, you know, or in the Greek where the neuter, neuter seems to pop up. So that's just a side note, something that my wife pointed out. I'm like, that's right. You can't do that, you know? So anyhow... So there's a reason why there's male and female. There's reasons for that. And we don't need to go down that path any more than what I have done. So the spirit wills or uh, uh, the spirit uh, will wills where he or she goes. Man hears his voice but does not know where it comes from or where it went. Everyone who is born of the spirit is the same way. So what I, what I think is interesting is if we hang, try to understand what's going on here, if we go by the voice aspect rather than just the sound, okay, about the voice, okay, because that's more direct. That's someone speaking to you. Okay, here's a question. Where have you heard the voice before? In Scripture, okay, where... Any, any places where the voice was popular? We'll have, the mic comes right to you, sir. Where have you heard the idea um, of a voice? I, I happened to notice that in, uh, the first thing that ever happened was, was a voice. Uh, in Genesis, you know, um, God spoke. Um, before there was light, there was sound. There was, there was, there was sound. Voice, yes. And, I mean, and so sound obviously is more powerful than light even in science. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's good. See, that's what we need to do. Taking this idea of voice and going back, where did we hear it from? And that's a a good example. Uh, Jenny, do you have another one? Wait till the mic comes. And then I have some that I I want us to look at. Okay. In the story of... um, Up closer to your mouth, I can hurry. In the story of... um, I think it was Isaiah, is where he was running from uh, the king and the queen, uh, Ahab and his wife. And he went into a cave, and he was hiding. And it started storming. And it says, I heard this thunder, but I didn't hear God. Something to that. I heard thunder, but I did not hear God. I heard rain, I didn't hear God. But then I heard this small voice. This small voice. Was that with Elijah? Is that where we're... I think maybe that was Elijah. Okay, exactly. I, I, I'm sorry I couldn't hear everything you said, but I, that's one of the things we're look at. 
um, Joe and then Wanda, and then we'll look at some very powerful places where the voice should be in our mind when we're reading this. Okay, or, and with Jenny, to understand it. What Jenny was saying, uh, another thought that came to me is when the burning bush, that the Spirit spoke. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when uh, Ashul was baptized, the Spirit uh, was there, spoke. No, I, yes, I think those are good examples. And, uh, but I'm going to tend to more Jenny's because it actually speaks of a voice, okay? Not that there wasn't a voice when those happened, but I'm going right to the phrase about the voice, and I'm doing that for a reason. Mount Sinai, they heard what? Thunders and lightnings, and they heard voices is in the Hebrew. They heard voices, and we know what happened at Mount Sinai. They were given what? The commands on how to live a righteous life. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. There it is. And what, what was that all about? That was John the Baptist. And he was saying, repent. Repent back to what? Repent back to the things that the voice said at the mountain. And if you can think of any other voices that it specifically talks about a voice, Jenny brought this one up, and this one's a very powerful one. It's First Kings is where that's found. And it was Elijah. After Elijah did the things with uh, the, well, the whole bunch of the prophets of Baal, you know, the fire came down, and he proved his God, and then he goes, Woo, Jezebel's after me. So he runs, and he goes where? He goes, where's that cave at? Do you know where that cave might be? It was out Mount Sinai, Horeb, the same very place. And after that, there was an earthquake, fire. Yahuwah was not in the fire, it says. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Again, this idea of voice. And if I haven't showed you already, this voice is associated with his commandments for his people. John. I was thinking of Genesis 3.8, and they heard the voice of Yahweh walking in the garden. Walking in the garden. The cool of the day. And the cool of the day. So you see the power when we focus on, or if we can really, you do have to look and you see the real meaning that's going on here. Messiah is bringing out this point. That's why he's, if Messiah is using the idea of the voice, because the idea of the voice is embedded to be understood a particular way. John. Yeah, I'm not sure I recognized this before, but like at Mount Sinai, they heard the voice, and then they were scared, afraid, and they said, Moses, you go up. And in verse 10 of Genesis 3, it says the same thing. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Yeah. So you see, in, even in the garden, <laughs> they were commanded to do particular things, however you want to look at it. There was commands on how to live because they were obeying the voice, and at the same time they heard that voice. And <laughs> ultimately it had to do with breaking the commandments that they were given. So you see the voice is associated with the commandments. And like any good uh, parent, it's the voice, tell me if you don't know when you're little. You know your mother's voice or your father's voice. Whether you're in trouble or it's okay, right? 
It's about that voice, and that's a personal thing. It wasn't just, I heard the sound of my dad or my mom. No, when you hear the voice, okay, there's a personal relationship, I would imagine, that comes along with a voice. So, but this idea here uh, that I was talking about in Kings with Elijah, it says, uh, after the fire, there was a, uh, a still, small voice. It also could be understood as a quiet or gentle voice, a voice of uh, gentle breeze even. So, um, but I think the best, uh, the still, thin voice, there was the power. So ultimately, we can, uh, with, uh, with Elijah, what was going on, we have to rely on what he said. We have to go back to what he said. Even Messiah, what did he later on? I can't, I don't know the address, but Messiah says, my sheep know my what? And that has to be associated with the commandments because that's all. So you can see the power and the weight in that. It takes us again back to the commandments given at Mount Sinai. It's all in that context. It's, there's not a new narrative or a new context that's happening here. Um, Wanda. Uh, it, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with Yahweh, he heard a voice speaking to him above the mercy seat between the two cherubims. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Ten Commandments is. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he spoke, uh, uh, I think it was... Uh, Brother the brother, a man the man. There was something special about Moses. So I think I've given you the concept of that voice and what should be behind that. So when I was in Kings uh, reading about this uh, still small voice, um, it was interesting. I'm like, okay, what's this word still mean or thin that it's uh, using in First Kings with Elijah about this voice? So I did a quick word search, and it popped up, and it popped up in Psalms. So let me, this thin voice, and I'm focusing on the idea of still or thin, okay? Gentle or calm, small voice. But this word still... It popped up in Psalms, and it says, He caused the storm to be still and calm, so that its waves were silent. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. But that sounds like somebody else that we're going to see when he walks on the water, and he said, and it was silent. So I was like, wow, I found that in Psalms. I just saw the relationship. Psalms 107, 29. So, where it comes from and where it goes, some respond and some do not respond to the voice, okay? Now, here's, I'm going to go down another trail here with Nicodemus, okay? I think Nicodemus knew the answer. I don't believe Nicodemus was some pharisaical buffoon, okay? So, hear me out on this. He may have just been trying to see what was Yeshua's answer going to be in this dialogue going back and forth. Because Messiah does say, oh, you being a teacher of Israel, you should know this. Well, I think that was Yeshua's kind of being sarcastic, like, you know all this, Nicodemus, so why are you here? Okay, because you already recognize that the signs I've been doing and you said so yourself, 
Only Elohim being with someone, only if God is with someone that these could happen. So why are you all of a sudden coming here to me at night and doing the rundown here with me? Uh, Kathy. In our in-depth Bible study in John, as we're in, um, the Nicodemus was coming up, and I didn't really understand who he was. And so I researched it, and it's Nicodemus Ben-Gurion in Hebrew, and he was a health, wealthy German man who lived in Jerusalem in the first century CE. He is believed by some to be identical to the Nicodemus mentioned in the Gospel of John. Elsewhere, he is discussed in Josephus history. Those are all um, rabbinic writings, yes. Okay. So he's very well known. Yeah, and um, it says Ben-Gurion means son of Gurion in Hebrew, and his real name was apparently Buni or Benai. There's a lot more about him, but about being I just him thought it, a conqueror of people yes, because it uh, says prayer that, was answered. Yes, right. But I just I have to be real and just say that I had no idea who he was, or yes, so I the, researched it, and it's really cool what it says. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kathy. So this idea of taking Nicodemus, I'm coming. I'm going to present another aspect because we a lot of times uh, maybe from our past. Uh, institutions that we've come out, we always look, oh, all of a sudden Messiah is bringing something new and Nicodemus should have known all this. I think Nicodemus did know exactly what was going on. But there's a motive that I believe Nicodemus had. Maybe not personally, but coming from the group of Pharisees that he was with. Because they all saw these signs, all right? They all saw the things that he, uh, Yeshua had did. So why would they be so bent on not, not uh, upset at Yeshua? This is my take, my personal take on it, okay? And I did some research, so I'm, I'm giving you, I, I would say, an educated, valuable guess at some background going here. So, like I said, I think Nicodemus knew the answers to what was going on. He understood the idea of being born again, okay? But like a good rabbi, they go back and forth, even though they both know what they're talking about, and they're trying to one-up each other, so to speak. Okay, so, because he did say, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from Elohim, for no one is able to do these signs you do if Elohim is not with them. So then Yeshua answers and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, okay, he is unable to see or perceive the reign, uh, the kingdom of God. Maybe he knew there, uh, there, there was more to why Nicodemus was sent to him. Now we have to go back to chapter, where chapter 2 ends, okay? Yeshua was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should witness, uh, should witness of man, for he knew what was in man. So, here it is. Was the Pharisees wanting Yahshua to come to them so they could approve him of being the Mashiach or the Messiah? And Yahshua was saying, no. 
It doesn't work that way. The Messiah that has been coming for Israel, he doesn't come here for you group of people to get together and approve. It's like saying, oh, let's all get together and let's approve the Almighty who created the heavens and earth. If we get together and approve it, then it must be so. Is, there's an arrogance that could possibly be there, okay? Because they saw the evidence that was going on there. And that's another way to think about your life, too. You know, especially, well, prove, 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 okay? We don't have a blind faith. You can see the things that he said. But what I think is, is this. Yeshua had, um, had the authority in his deeds and what he did and he didn't need their approval. He had power from the Most High. Like any of us right now, we have a choice to either see, did he do the things according to what the Father set down? Or do I have to go in and approve it? Is it us approving him as being God? That's what I think possibly what was going on. Because I don't see that Nicodemus was, like I said, stupid. But I do see the friction that was continually with Yahshua and the Pharisees seemed to be a problem with authority. And they didn't like Yahshua operating and doing what he was doing without approval, okay, from, from them. And that goes to any denomination as well. John. They didn't like that he didn't have a Messiah license, in other words. Exactly, and that's what it comes down to. That's, that's one way. All I'm saying is take that into account when you see what's going on. And as we go through John, that may prove not to be. John. But I, I, if, if we can, can I go back to eight? What is the answer to eight? Because I'm saying at the end of it, it says, so is, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So that's a good thing. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's a good thing. But then what's the, there seems like a disconnect. The wind goes here, the wind blows there. It has references to God and the Ruach and all that, and I get that, but I, what is Messiah? What is the, what is he really saying here? He's saying that I, you don't have choice. It, it, the, whoever gets the Spirit is whoever gets the Spirit, and it's not up to Nicodemus or anybody else to determine who is that. Who does have it and who doesn't have it? What is the... Uh, I, yes. I mean, and you I, could throw in there, and, and the price of, of tea of China is a dollar. Who cares? What's well, the well, I think this plays a part with the whole okay. authority. Okay? Think about it. The Spirit goes where the Spirit's going. We have no authority on who, you, who the Father shows mercy to or who He doesn't. That's His authority and His authority only. So maybe He's addressing the Pharisees here. It's like, wait, guess what? You don't determine who's the Messiah. You don't determine who's going to be a good follower or a good child of mine, okay, just by a set of things. You, can, you know them by their fruits. You know them by what they do. And if we take that, like I said, that idea of the voice, it's connected with the commandments, okay? So we, that is our authority in our life. Who's to... Who? Can anyone, any other Christian, any other atheist, Jewish person say, I can't be who I am? Because guess what? The Father's brought me to this point, and if you have a problem with me obeying the commandments, trying to be a good follower of the Creator, 
take it to him. All right? Right? Yes, Kathy. Could it also mean that the spirit wind breathes where it wishes and you hear, it, you hear the sound of it, but do not, where, do not know where it comes from and where it goes? So is everyone who has been born of the spirit. What I think that means is the spirit wind breathes where it wishes and it's up to us whether to accept it or not. I, is that to like what respond it's saying? or not to respond? Right. With you, you know, you came into our community, what, four years, maybe longer ago, out of nowhere, all right? Somehow you said the Spirit was, we didn't know how it worked. We don't, still don't know how it works, but we saw that you've been obedient and you've been coming ever since and your life has been changing. Praise to the Almighty, all right? I don't do it. We don't determine what the Spirit does and we never will. Yes, let me get this gentleman, okay, Kathy? I was just trying to get a better understanding of uh, what the verse here... Okay, <clears throat> it's, it seems like it's suggesting to me that you can be... Uh, like some people are just not born, born of the flesh and some people are born of the spirit. Uh, can you be born of the flesh and not know it or something like that? You know what I mean? Can you, you know? Say yes. Yeah. So, so people are... Is it saying literally that people are born of the flesh and some people are born of the spirit and and if so uh, can you be like born of the flesh and think you're born of the spirit well or, obviously you know? what what we talked about last week with the idea of born again all right you have no choice you were born all right you had no choice in how you got here right, right. you didn't yeah. but now you have a choice to either follow or not follow you you, you oh, see what okay. i'm saying I get, I get so what you mean. here comes okay. your rebirth you know because yeah. we're we are all born from um uh, from somewhere into this world all right and we didn't have a choice on that Except so you could say that's fleshy of, if you want yeah. or whatever just the way it is but now we all have a choice to be Go up in the mother's womb, you know. I think Nicodemus knew this, especially with you know Messiah is going back to the voice. Right. You have a, a new way of changing your heart, the commandments of the Most High. Okay, that was his purpose of bringing Israel out of Egypt. He was remember we specifically said he says, "Tell Pharaoh, Israel, my firstborn." Well, those people wasn't firstborn. That whole nation, so to speak, it was a family. But the point was, they're going to come out. They've obeyed the blood that was put on the doorpost. They're in that process of becoming a new nation, a, a born-again people, which had to do with the commandments again. I can't overemphasize that. Yes, sister. So I have um, sort of an observation and a question. Um, the observation which always puzzles me is, if you kind of go back a little bit in chapter 3, um, and Nicodemus is asking him these questions, it's as if Jesus is answering some other question. It's, he never answers directly. Oh, you mean Yeshua, how he answers? Or? Yes, how he, I mean, even other people, but specifically Nicodemus. Um, it, for instance... It says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher. 
No one can do these things unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I'm like, okay, why, why does he not answer the question and then he just says something? Mm-hmm. Okay, so my real question, though, is um, it, it seems as though the talk of the Spirit happens in the New Testament uh, exponentially more than you'll see it in the Old Testament. Um, even, even before the Spirit came down on them in Acts, you hear more about the Spirit. And um, I was wondering, do you think Nicodemus, is that something that was in the Jewish religion that maybe I don't know about? When he says these things, what was the one thing? Um, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I mean, Nic- Nicodemus would know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He I, would. I believe he knew exactly what, and their conversation going back, and on one hand, it sounds like, and I've always thought that too, it sounds like, you know, Jesus, Yeshua, he's answering, he's not answering the darn question, what's wrong with this guy, you know, but the thing is, I think he is, I think he knows the principles that are based upon to have such a question, you know, so he's answering the core of it. And I think it comes down, yes, the Spirit's always been there. But I think we haven't recognized, let's say, uh, New Testament ideas. We see, oh, we don't see the Spirit. But if we misunderstand or we don't understand um, the concept that's going on, because it comes down to the heart of the person. So when we go back and we see these people following out, their hearts changed, there's only the spirit that's doing it. You know what I'm saying? And I think we've gotten so used to maybe on the, with the New Testament idea, we need this billboard that says spirit, spirit, when you know what? We don't need that. If we understand what's going on, we go back and we see, well, it was the spirit of the most high with his commandments that made this person do what he did. So you end up seeing the spirit hasn't changed from the very beginning to the, the end of our text that we have. It's always there. It's just understanding it um, a little bit different. So, and then I can tell you more examples later on as well. Thank you for that question. Uh, uh, Mark. So this flesh and spirit, we even see the writer of the New Testament talk about how he compares Hagar and Sarah as one that is of flesh and one is of the covenant. So this idea of flesh is what we would consider of a carnal nature, carnal man, that's going to walk by his own understanding, by his own ideas, trying to do things his own way. When you're born of the Spirit or you're born from above, you're doing things the way that heaven or the kingdom of God operates. So when you're doing things by that method, you're operating by the Spirit and not by flesh. In other words, I don't want things to operate by the way I think I should do it. I want to do it the way that I know God wants to do it. But I have to know his word on how to know how God operates. What does his kingdom look like? What does, what does the spirit world look like? Well, God's word points that out. If I operate by that way, I'm no longer operating in the flesh. I'm operating by the spirit. So that's a real difference. And so I think one of the things that Yeshua did here, the Messiah, is he's, he's keeping things hidden from those who are still operating in the flesh. 
so that only the people that are operating by the Spirit are catching it. They're, the Spirit is revealing to them because their heart is circumcised to follow God instead of the way the religious system was going. They were trying to do it their own way. They had already walked away from doing it the way God says to do it. So that's the difference. And the, these simple things that the Spirit reveals are hidden to those who are still operating by their own hand. Thank you, Mark. So um, one of the things that I, I'm going to try to connect a couple of dots that I see, because Yeshua said, uh, you just read, where his sheep would know his voice. How would they know his voice? Well, we can go to 2 Timothy 3, and it says, and, and beginning in uh, uh, verse 14, you, however, continue in the things that you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from which you have learned them that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which is able to give you the wisdom that leads through salvation through the faith, which is in Yeshua HaMashiach. Now here is the linchpin. All scripture, this one says, is inspired, but the translation is spirit breathe by Elohim, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of Elohim may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So understanding that the only scripture that was written at that time was the Tanakh, the Torah. So that scripture, if they were versed in that scripture, it was spirit breathed. And if it's spirit breathed, then they would be equipped for every good work and in righteousness according to what the scripture says. Just like it says that when, when Yahweh says his word goes forth and it would not return to him void. Void, yes. So it's not an ooey-gooey Greek concept of the spirit. It's basically if they were rabbis, if they were Sadducees and Pharisees, they should have been able to discern the voice of the Messiah when the Messiah was speaking because he wasn't speaking anything different or new. And therefore, when the Spirit is breathed upon those writings and it's equipping, just like he told Timothy, it's wisdom that leads to salvation. So when you're equipped for the work that the Spirit breathes upon you through the Word, then that's what it is. I think today a lot of people in secular humanism, they want a Word from God, but they don't want to look into the Word of God, which is Spirit breathed by yeah. God. Now, thank you, Paul. So, uh, can we hold the mic just uh, till the end here? Sorry, Joe, I want to finish up here, and if we have time, I'll get to your question. So, this idea of the voice and the spirit, they're somewhat one and the same, okay? So, if we, the, so it says the sound of it or its voice, okay? Its voice. Here's some more. Ezekiel 37, 9. And um, he, when he said to, to me, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy, son of man, and you shall say to the spirit, thus says master Yahweh, come from the four winds, all right, see this idea of wind and spirit being used here, O spirit, and breathe on these slain so that they may live. So with this whole concept of the spirit and the voice and the wind going on, it's in Ezekiel 37, this is with the dry bones. I won't go into the, that too much, but I do, uh, I do some, have some other things that will maybe 
talk about the spirit and the voice being back there. We're going to track the spirit, or I'm sorry, track the voice, because wherever the voice is, the spirit's there, right? So Deuteronomy 30, and it shall be when all these words come upon you, the blessings and the curses which I have set before you, and you shall bring, uh, bring them back to your heart among all the goyim or the nations where Yahweh your Elohim has driven you, and shall turn back to Yahweh your Elohim and obey his voice. And this is in the context of what? Obey his voice, obey the voice at the mountain, obey the voice of those commandments, according to all that I command you to today, with all your heart and with all your being, you and your children. Then it goes on, and Yahweh, then Yahweh your Elohim shall turn back your captivity, and you shall have compassion on you. It sounds like when you do that with Messiah, you start to get that compassion on you in your life, shall turn back to gather you from all the peoples when, where Yahuwah, your Elohim, has scattered you. If any of you be driven out to the furthest parts under the heavens from, from where Yahuwah, your Elohim, shall, uh, does gather you from there, and from there he does take you. And Yahuwah, your Elohim, shall bring you to a land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he shall do good to you and increase you more than your fathers. And Yahuwah, your Elohim, shall circumcise your heart due to his commandments and his voice. All right? Because you begin to saying, the Shabbat is right to do. The Shabbat is a delight. That's a circumcision going on in your heart. And when you start obeying these things, all right? And Yahweh and your Elohim shall put all these curses on your enemies instead of you. Because guess what? You're blessed when you're doing the commandments. If you don't do the commandments, you're not blessed. So it only makes sense. If we are the ones who are obeying the commandments and the world doesn't, well, get me. They're going to have curses. And we can see that. And I'm sure most of us have when we walk certain ways in our lives and, okay, we look back and it's like, yeah, I brought that upon myself because I did such and such and such, right? So anyhow, then Yahweh your Elohim shall put those curses on the enemies and those who hate you, who persecute you. And that is a collective kingdom of all the tribes, okay? Then it goes on, and you shall turn back and obey the voice of Yahweh to do all his commandments, which I command you today. And I suggest is you begin to obey the spirit of the Most High. You see where you can see the spirit operating on a continual basis. The spirit's the one who circumcised their hearts to obey, and it's never changed. Just because in the New Testament, I believe it gets more emphasized, but the thing is, we need to bring that concept of the voice and the circumcision in with that. So the spirit of Elohim does what it pleases. Born again is to follow his instructions. To truly be born again is to follow the spirit of the Father and the Son in the Torah, the instructions for life. Born again, born from the beginning, is to have the spirit breathed in you just when it happened to Adam. Remember the first man? The spirit breathed into him. Guess what? We're not born of that. We, we are born of that guy, but afterwards, we're in the, 
Adam was created in the image of Elohim, in image of God. We were created in the image of Adam. You see, we need to be born from the beginning too. When he breathed into Adam that spirit and he became a living being, we need to have that concept. That's being born again, born from above. And that's what we see in Messiah. And that can happen now. That's why, you know, we will have that. But what we do is now where we're at is, I guess it's like he's saying, show me, do it. I showed you the commandments. I gave you everything that you need to have an awesome life. And you will have eternal life. Just follow the commandments. It's going to go well with you. There are going to be ups and downs, but hang on to my promises like you cannot see. He is faithful. Okay? So, the, just like the Spirit breathed into him, just as it happened to Adam, and to be in the image of Elohim and not the image of man. Okay? And that's where Yeshua he wants us back into that image of Elohim. Not the, like you said, sir, that flesh part. All right? He's just talking about the two different concepts. Actually, the two different seeds that are in each one of us, you know? And that goes back to the garden. You have the, the word of God, which is the seed, and then you have that other seed. And they're always battling, are they not? You know, they're always battling. And so that's why we need to have the word of God so we produce that particular fruit. Just like Genesis said, fruit um, according to its kind. That's how we know. That's how we know if the Spirit's in us. We can test each other. You don't need someone to, in some ways to sit and prophesy or tell you different. We can look at each, ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I messed up. All right? Or we can take account of things that are going on and weigh it against what the Spirit actually wrote down. We don't need to have any off-the-wall visions because we have it written down, principles and concepts to go by, to direct us. That is the Spirit. That's more walking in the Spirit than anything else. And if, if you don't believe me and on that aspect, think about it. You had Yeshua, Jesus Christ. If there was anyone who walked in the Spirit more powerfully on this planet, it would be him, right? All right? So if, even if we saw him today, we wouldn't be seeing any Spirit, but we would see the actions that he did daily. That is walking. That is to be Spirit-led. Physically, you see it by the actions. And most of the time, we've been swayed to other being spirit-felled inside and emotions and all that. Well, guess what? I tell you what. I know I'm spirit-led. I mess up all the time. And it's not always comfortable. <laughs> so there's much more to that. I have to close here. But we'll get right back into this. And Joe, hang on to your question until next week. We'll get right back into this. And we'll start going. Like I said, we have a very... Um, well, you go ahead and read ahead. You'll see how these concepts will start applying as we go through the book of John. And my hope is that you will see that there is nothing new. All that Yeshua is doing is bring us back to those commandments, back to those blessings that are there. Okay? So 
Uh, let me close in prayer. Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks. We thank you for your faithfulness, uh, your love that you've shown us. And Father, you have been so patient with us in so many ways. Father, we thank you that your words became flesh and he has walked among us. And Father, that his sacrifice it was instead of us is now bringing us back to you, his very blood. We thank you, Father, for that love that is, honestly, we fully probably don't understand it, but we would be fools if we do not accept it. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom, all of you that are here today. And uh, those online, we'll see you next week.